0: This is important, this is enough, Hashem is right here with me.
1: I'm Tanya, and you are listening to Season 2 of Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode is sponsored in honor of Shlomo Yitzchak ben Moshe, also known as Schwartzi, whose yard site was Yud Spot. Today's episode is dedicated by his daughters and granddaughters, who say that they are huge fans of Human and Holy. We've actually featured two of Schwartzy's daughters, Hindle Love and Sarah Sarachain, and they're both awesome. You all know them. Schwartzy was known to just be a tremendous human being, always seeing the godliness in everyone and in everything. And you can find a book to learn a little bit more about him and his special, unique life on Amazon. The book is called Schwartzy. I love when that happens. Thank you to his daughters and granddaughters for making today's episode happen. May all the learning that is done through today's episode cause an aliyah for his neshama. And of course, if you would like to sponsor an episode or become a paying subscriber of the podcast, please visit the link in the show notes, patreon.com slash human or email us at human at gmail.com. So in today's episode, I speak to Sterni Tubel about the yearning she always felt for a spirituality that transcended the details of her physical existence. When she became a mother, she was thrust into a life that demanded her to live in the details and that did not allow her the luxury of abstract, transcendent spiritual connection. Join us today as we discuss what it means to limit God to our notions of spirituality, how to find Him in the details of our daily service, and ultimately, how to keep the flame of our souls grounded firmly in the candle of our bodies, even when it seeks to flee.
0: Hi, so I'm Sharni Tawul. Grew up in Massachusetts, now living in Kern Heights. I work at the OU in the Kosher's department. And I have two and a half year olds, almost three.
1: Precious toddler age,
0: Precious. right? Now you're like, yeah, do you feel
1: I like now it. you're starting to parent? Yes.
0: <laughs> right? So yes, yes. There's a lot more like of the interaction stuff, which I love. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to discuss Ratsoy Tell us a little bit about your understanding of this topic.
0: The first place where I know of in Chassidus where of comes up is in Tanya. The Pesach is Kiner Hashem Neshmas Adam. It's from Mishle. The soul of man is like a flame of God. Flame of God is like the soul of man. And what it means is basically that the nature of the Jewish soul is to strive upward toward its source. Just like a flame is striving upward toward its source, which we know from Chassidus It's called Tachas Galgalhayreach beneath the cycle or the orbit of the moon. Some say that's the atmosphere. So a flame is always striving upward, despite the fact that the wick or the match or whatever is holding it pulls it down. It's like a physical source of fuel that pulls it down. So, so too the soul of a person is always striving upward, desiring to be connected to Hashem, even though fundamentally what that means is if you. Really connect to Hashem in the truest way. You're going to lose your physical identity. You cannot stay a physical person and be completely subsumed within God. So the soul and the person lives with this pull in two different directions. On the one hand, to be subsumed within godliness, and on the other hand, to live a physical life. The pull toward godliness is the rute. What's the shuv? Ratzai means run. Shuv means return. So what's the shuv? What does it mean to return? How do you settle this push-pull dynamic? That is by realizing that the way to truly get closest to Hashem is actually by living as a physical person in this world, doing mitzvahs and connecting to Him through the garments of this world, through the fabric of this world. So, there are a few stories in the Torah that touch on this. There's the two sons of Aaron, Nadev and Avihu, who brought an offering to Hashem at a time that they were not supposed to. And they basically died through a fire consuming them from the inside. Chasidus talks about how that was basically not even necessarily a punishment, just a direct consequence of what they were doing. They were yearning to become close to Hashem so much that they lost the ability to live in the, in the physical world. There's another story of the Jewish people in the desert when they were on their way to the land of Israel. And Moshe sent out 12 spies to scout out the land that they were going to conquer, the land of Israel. The 12 spies came back with a negative report and the Jewish people believed them and this caused the Jewish people to be punished that they had to stay in the desert for another forty years before they were able to complete the journey to Israel. And actually, we still have not completed the journey because even though they did go to the land of Israel, we still did not reach the final redemption. And Moshe passed away before we reached Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. So why did this happen? Chassidus explains that the Meraglim, the spies, the scouts, and the Jewish people. We're kind of like children. Children live in an environment that they don't have to work for. They're given everything. And that allows them to really absorb the values that their parents want to teach them. And in the desert, the Jewish people were living off of miracles. And they had the opportunity to really study Torah and connect to God without all the distractions, of living in a physical world. And they weren't ready to give that up. So going to Eretz Israel, going to the land of Israel, nothing could really compare to the spiritual oasis that was the desert. As a result, Hashem saw that they were not worthy or not able to actually translate, to actually bring the values that they were absorbing in the desert, to bring that into their life in the land of Israel, which is really the goal. And they had to stay in the desert for another generation until that generation died out and a new generation was able to enter the land of Israel. And like we said before, we still have not really completed the journey. So this is actually something that we're actively still working on today. So that's the Ratzai Veshuvah of it. The Ratzai was like the yearning to stay in the desert and continue to connect to Hashem. And the Shiv would be, or will be, God willing, when we can learn how to translate that into our lives by taking the yearning to connect to Hashem and taking the closeness that we feel with Hashem and actually making that a reality in our physical lives, not just in our spiritual engagement with God, whether that's like learning Torah or davening, praying, but actually translating that into our physical lives. And I'm going to talk more about that and what that looked like. Yeah learning about for you okay
1: this concept can be like this very spiritual abstract concept that we understand like none of being consumed from the inside as a direct consequence of their desire to just be cleaving to god and then i think in our own lives we experience that misconception that where we connect to god is where we feel consumed by the fire. So I would love if you could share where in your own life you've experienced that that feeling of being so connected to God in the fire and not as connected when you're engaged in the physical world.
0: Yeah, I think you really hit on it, actually. At the core of this is a misconception about what it means to be connected to God and more so what it means that Hashem is everywhere. When we think about what it means to connect to God and we associate that with spirituality, spirituality being learning and praying and like all the things that involve our mind and our heart and our spirit, but not our hands and our feet and our to-do lists. Right. So that's really where we're kind of shutting God out. And we're saying, you don't exist here. You're not really infinite. You just exist in the spiritual world. You don't exist in the physical world. So the way that looked for me is I actually feel like when I was like in my late teens, early 20s, like seminary and the years following, I felt myself really feeling this sort of yearning in a very deep and experiential way where I felt like the world felt kind of like so empty and so random. One of the differences between physicality and spirituality is that spirituality has no duplicates. And -hmm. physicality, you can have the same thing again and again. You can't have a copy of an idea, right? So to me, that just highlights like the randomness of physicality. It's like, oh, whatever, like... You can have another one. <laughs> you can have another table. It's not like meaningful. Something that's meaningful and true and needs to be exactly where it is and how it is. You can't have another one of that. So when I looked around at the world, I just felt like, how could it be that Hashem is here? I felt like this, like emptiness inside. Like I just wanted to connect to Hashem, and I wanted some sense of meaning and like some connection to like something bigger. And it felt like there was no way that that could really exist in the physical world. I remember walking in the street and I would like pass by a building and I would like look at one of the bricks and I would be like, why is this brick in this spot of this building? And why does it have like a crack in in its upper right corner? And like, why does it have to be that way? Like in Fiddler on the Roof, Tevye says, would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? Like, would it spoil some vast eternal plan if like this Rick was like two centimeters to the right. Like, how could it be that Hashem is here? That's really what I was asking. How could it be that Hashem is really in this physical world? And Chassidus, I'd learned these ideas before about connecting to Hashem through doing mitzvahs. And it just didn't feel real to me. It didn't Mm. feel like, okay, so I'll light some candles. I mean, that feels spiritual. Okay, that's nice. But I'll put a coin in a a push. Okay, I'm helping somebody. Sure. Right but mm-hmm. connecting to God, like connecting to God is in my mind, in my spirit, in my heart. I love to learn. What does it mean like doing the physical stuff? And on another level, the Lubavitcher Rabbi talks a lot about a woman's avida or path in the service of Hashem. And he talks about how that is being an Akarasa bias, which literally translates to the foundation of the home and basically involves like raising the children and making the home a safe, warm, loving space for the people who live in it, the husband and the children. And in reality, it looks a lot like washing dishes and doing laundry and changing diapers and brushing teeth or it could. And I felt like kind of offended by this because it was like, okay, I get it. God, this is what I was thinking. Like, I get it. Like you want the men to do like the real stuff, like the real spiritual stuff. Like they'll do all the learning. They'll do all the praying and the women will like, you know, hover around on the periphery and not get in the way. Basically make sure that the men can do their thing. And like the women are
1: supporting role,
0: supporting role. Exactly. So this felt like very offensive to me. Cause like, Oh, like we're doing all the physical stuff. You don't need us basically. Right.
1: Interesting. Um, we often equate the intellectual pursuits and the pursuits of the heart and the feelings that we have to the place where God really is, because that's where we can comprehend him in a way. And it's so much harder to sense him with hands and feet.
0: What does that even mean? He's in hands and feet. If you think about like, who, who am I most fundamentally? Yeah. Am I my fingers? Am I my nose? Like <laughs> yeah, I am who I am inside. So what does Hashem want with my nose? It seems like this paradox,
1: which is that God is this spiritual abstract concept that we're learning about, right? That's what it feels like when you're inspired, This spiritual abstract, meaningful concept that I can comprehend with my mind and heart. And I am my mind and heart. This is where I am manifested in the deepest way. So therefore, as you said, what does God want with my nose and my fingers? <laughs> like how does, how is that related? Right? It yeah, does exactly. seem like a paradox. Tell me. Have you found God with your nose and your fingers? Yes.
0: Like what? (laughs) How I came to terms with my nose and my fingers. (laughs) Your nose and your fingers. And also,
1: I would really love to explore that point that you said about like being the supporting role. And am I just the supporting role? Am I the hands and feet so that the men can be the mind and heart? Yeah. Okay. So tell us.
0: Basically, I got married, got pregnant, you know, thank God, pretty quickly. And while I was pregnant, I was kind of like thinking about all these things about. I guess here it comes. Here it comes, right? Now I'm going to be like changing diapers all day. I was obviously excited, but I also didn't really know what I was getting into. And I was definitely dreading the idea that I wasn't going to be able to have time or energy to be involved in what I enjoy being involved in and where I like feel that I am me most. And then when my son was born, thank God, I was actually like really surprised (laughs) by like how much I loved him. (laughs) and I feel like in a way on a kind of like Chachma intuitive level that like opened me up to the idea that there could be a different way of looking at things. Didn't translate so directly just yet, but I definitely felt a new sense of meaning that I couldn't really put into words that I hadn't felt before. And then where this really kind of came into Bina, into understanding and Really feeling it for me on an experiential level was on Instagram. <laughs> I was scrolling through Instagram and I came upon this IGTV by Brooklyn Dukes. She is a parenting coach and she's fantastic. And she has such a great energy. And I came upon upon this IGTV about how to get your kids to clean up. And I was like, great, that looks interesting. Watched it. And basically her idea was make it about the relationship. So cleaning up is something I get to do with mommy. And you have to first look inside, check in and make sure that you're not overpowering this experience with your like rage cleaning or stress cleaning or like annoyance that it's always me picking up the toys. And like you have to like look inside and and sort of calm that energy and soften for yourself. Then you kind of invite your child in as a like, this is something we do. Like we eat dinner, we put on clothes, and we clean up. And it's matter of fact, chill. And it's just something we do. And it even becomes something we get to do together. Now, what if your child has resistance? This is really the part that got to me. What if your child has resistance, which is natural, like you never cleaned up with your kid before and now you're telling them to put their blocks away. So silliness, playfulness, do something ridiculous, unexpected and it just softens the tension when you get to laugh together. So I really like took this idea and ran with it first in the very like limited experience of like actually cleaning up with my kid and then I started to like just be silly in other areas too. My favorite Thing that we do is when it's time to brush our teeth. So I used to brush his teeth. <laughs> so I used to have to like hold him down and he would scream and I hated it. Like I hate like holding him down and then he's crying and it's just like a terrible experience. So instead, all of a sudden the toothbrush was named Tovia the Toothbrush and he has a silly voice and he calls Label from the bathroom to come and we're going to brush his teeth. And last night there was like a little extra resistance, so. Tovia said, I bet you won't be able to find me. And he was hiding somewhere. Mm. It's just like, it became this like silly, fun thing. And like, without realizing it, I started to see that actually, like I was enjoying myself too, which I didn't expect because I don't like relate to silliness as fun. Like I kind of looked at it as as a technique to get my kids' cooperation. But I started to realize that actually, like I was connecting with my child. We were laughing together. You know, when you like laugh with somebody and like your eyes, like you're looking at each other and like it just becomes this together experience. Yes. And what it started to do for me was make me realize that caretaking and connecting are not these two separate worlds. Mm. It's not like all the diaper changing and spoon feeding. I hated spoon feeding so much when he was that age. I was like really happy when he got old enough to feed himself. and toothbrushing and getting dressed and all these like physical things that make up motherhood that are inescapable. You know, like you can get a cleaning lady and you can pay for lots of things, but if you want to actually spend time with your kid, there's going to be a lot of physical caretaking activities that you just can't escape. And I was learning that actually you can connect to your child through the caretaking. You can make it a together experience in the actual getting stuff done. It like opened my world. Like I was like, wow, (laughs) this is it. I can connect with my child all day. Wow. Yeah. We can brush our teeth. We actually brush our teeth together now.
1: I love how you said (laughs) that. That's what changed it for you was make the caretaking about connection. Make the diaper changing, the toy cleaning, the eating, putting on the coat, brushing your teeth, make it about connection. And we often look at nose and fingers and all the the physical things we have to do, not just dishes, but also like with God, the mitzvahs can be particularly detail oriented and Mm. non-spiritual feeling. And it's like, if you make it about connection, about making eye contact, about playing, about enjoying each other, about being in a relationship, then it stops being this fight to brush your teeth and it becomes this fun game that literally becomes the foundation of your connection with each other.
0: Right. And like, it stops being something that gets in the way Mm. of your connection.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Through that is how you connect. Okay. That.
1: That is that is it. That's exactly it.
0: That was the line. No,
1: yeah. That was the line. Yeah. For okay. me too. <laughs> we look at certain things like, okay, this is getting in the way of my spirituality with God. This is getting in the way of my connection. Having to like feed him or brush his teeth or get him into the bath or get him to sleep. That's getting in the way of my connection. This is your connection.
0: Right. Your connection
1: happens through this. All these menial tasks that you're doing for your child, with your child, are not the impediment to your connection when you can like really sit on the couch and gaze into each other's eyes. But this is actually what is building your connection, your connection to your child and your child's self-worth, ability to see themselves, et cetera.
0: It's actually like, I'm just realizing also, you know, when you have a little kid, you're not gazing into each other's eyes (laughs) very much, you know? So in a sense, if you're really stuck in that mindset of caretaking gets in the way of connection... You're never going to connect to your child until maybe they're like 26. And at that point, you've kind of lost all the opportunity to actually build that connection. So if you look at connection as only something that happens when you are like of the same mind, you know, thinking the same thing or talking about something meaningful, you're not going to connect with your child. And then your entire experience of relating to your child is going to like hold you back from connecting. All the caretaking that that is involved with toddler years. There's no connection there if that's all connection is.
1: And then by the time they are your equal and can look you in the eye and have this adult conversation, they already don't have a relationship with you.
0: Right. You were just it, stressed all their life.
1: Yeah. No, it's a really profound point because with God too, we each have our own areas that we I guess, experience that feeling of connection where we say like, oh, this is where the relationship is. And the relationship actually happens through the details, which feel too grounded for spirituality.
0: This changed that for me. I'm not going to say it changed it completely. I still, there's still the pull to both sides, I guess. But I started to appreciate that The same way I can connect with my child, not just through reading a book on the couch, but also through feeding him dinner. I actually don't want my child just for the deep, meaningful conversations we're going to have one day. I just love my child and I want to love to be around him. And this kind of enabled me to learn to love being around him. And I realized that like Hashem just wants to be around us. Hashem just wants to be with us. He just wants to hang out. It changed my relationship to the idea of connection. I always like resented small talk and felt like real connection was only in like deep, meaningful conversations. Here, I was realizing that you can connect to somebody through laughter. You can connect to somebody through just sitting together. You can you can connect just by spending time together. There there can be lightness in connection, and that lightness actually feels like connection. I think it opens up a whole new world when it comes to like relating to Hashem. Like it doesn't have to be deep and intense in in every single moment of your connection. Like it can be light. It can be fun. Making dinner for my family is a mitzvah. Washing the dishes. I'm washing the dishes with God. We're together. We hang out. He's here. He's right here with me. So this shifted my worldview. And it to bring it back to the point about a woman's, so to speak, avida or path in service to Hashem, because I was no longer seeing all this stuff as like just physical and like the side gig, I started to realize how like if Hashem just wants to hang out with us, but like He just wants us, then it makes so much sense that He would designate an entire segment of the population toward raising more of us, toward spending time with more of us, toward teaching us how to be with God. And it also makes so much sense that all that stuff is in the physical because we're taught that what Hashem really wants is, it's called dir to have a place in this physical world. He doesn't just want to reside in spirituality and in study and in prayer He actually wants to be with us in our daily mundane lives, the parts of our lives that really make up the biggest part of our lives. So the idea that a woman, her role more so than a man's role is to actually bring that into reality. It's kind of more the purpose of creation than all the Torah study and prayer that is part of the men's role. It's really where Hashem wants to be. And we get to do that. We get to bring him in and we get to be with him there. And we get to bring that to our children and to our home. We get to make our home a place where Hashem is. I mean, like what Mm. could be more spiritual than that?
1: I think it's really cool to hear from someone whose experience with this was so pronounced. Like the fact that you even mentioned that you used to think that small talk was not really connection and laughter was a superficial level of connection. And when you had those deep connective talks, that was connection. You had a high bar for what connection was. And it seems like you've really shifted to seeing the profound connection that happens in those moments of silliness, laughter, playfulness, small talk, and the way that we really connect with each other in that way and bridging that with your relationship with God, that like you are able to do that in your home, just to be with him, have small talk with him. I agree with you that when we shift our perspective, it almost seems to me like it's easier as a woman to really feel godliness in my day-to-day life in every single moment than it is for a man who sort of feels like their connection or their responsibility is more binary and is more limited to like spiritual spaces. Compartmentalized. Yeah. For a man to be able to really bring that presence of God into his work and into his mundane tasks, I think is a little bit more challenging than someone whose entire spiritual obligation is in that presence and is in the details and is in being present with God in day-to-day moments. I'd love if we could brainstorm like some more examples of what it means to engage with God in an act of connection in seemingly day-to-day act and like what it looks like to do that intentionally.
0: For me, a lot of that is actually in the child rearing stuff. I really feel I'm connecting with my child and I'm also connecting with Hashem. Like this is what he wants me to do. It comes out a lot in those moments of silliness, which happen all the time. I'm so grateful for that. Thank God. Just things that are like not even interesting enough to talk about, like making dinner, washing dishes, putting my kid to bed. Okay, that's really sweet. But you know what? Putting my kid to bed, actually. Let's talk about that because okay. it's the end of the day. You're exhausted. We're after hours now, you know? Like, right. <laughs> time to go. It's like end at six. Yeah. <laughs> Me time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have to slow down. Part of this is realizing he can feel when I just want him out of the way. I have to slow down and just be with him in that moment, soften my own energy, my rush to like go and do nothing on the couch. (laughs) I have to just be present with him. We sing some songs. I'll hear him if he's like feeling kind of anxious because he knows that I want to leave. And I stopped kind of wanting to leave so quickly. Like it became kind of like a moment that I savor. And then there's mitzvahs, actual physical mitzvahs, which is a little harder for me to like, still feel that connection to Hashem in a way it's easier than it used to be. Like if I'm like giving tzedakah, that is an example for me. Like I can be like, you know, the Tanya talks about how your body in the act of a mitzvah becomes like one with Hashem. And when I'm giving tzedakah, like my arm is Hashem's arm. Hashem is right here with me. So it's something I can appreciate if I, if I think about it, For me, it's still not as tangible and direct as like when I take care of my child, probably because when I take care of my child, I get the immediate feedback of my own child's reaction. And when I'm doing a physical mitzvah, there's still that feeling of like, you know, it's hard to connect. Davening prayer is actually really hard for me, even though like we were talking about spirituality and stuff. It's very, very hard for me to like stay focused and concentrate. And I think there's a lot of like, just bringing yourself right back to the words. What what are the words I'm saying right now? Half an hour ago, I was davening chakras, or more than half an hour ago at this point. <laughs> and like, I was like thinking about this. What am I going to say? And how I'm going to say it? And then blah, blah, blah. It was so hard. I had to like keep like just bringing my attention mm-hmm. back. Like... These are the words. And to be honest, I probably failed more than I succeeded, but that's the work. Bringing yourself back to this present moment. Here I am with God.
1: Oh, nice. So, so much of this is about presence, real presence in the moment that you're in. Because as you're talking, I'm thinking there's still room, not just room, but there's still a necessity for us to invest in the mind and heart of our relationship with God, to invest in the mind and heart of our relationship with our children, our spouse, the people that we love. So obviously a relationship that's just small talk, that's just laughter, that's just silliness is going to be missing that depth. So in order to really be able to like hone in on what you're saying, it has to be right now in this moment, how can I make this a moment of connection? So when I'm praying, it's prayer. And when I'm making dinner, it's making dinner with God. And when I'm getting my child to sleep, it's really being present with the connection that I'm forming. Someone said something to me that's really impacted me. When you're doing these small acts for God or for your children or for your spouse to say to yourself, this is important. This is important. Because it's so easy to say, this is not important. This is the peripheral stuff. But this is not actually the main thing. But to be present... In that moment, and say, "This is so important.
0: Hashem is is here. Yeah, Hashem is here. Yeah, Yeah. this is important. This is enough. Hashem is right here with me."
1: Nice. I like what you said. Hashem is here. Hashem is right here with me. And klipa is defined by fragmentation, and kedusha is defined by wholeness. Really seeing the whole picture kind of in the present moment. So in this mitzvah, this is my connection. In this act with my child, this is my connection.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do- Yeah, you're right. For me, it's like the Hashem is here.
1: Hashem is here. Hashem is here. Like bringing yourself back to that.
0: Okay, so let's wrap
1: it up. So essentially, we've been speaking about this idea, like the instinct that the soul has to basically leave its body and to connect with God only in that abstract way and the way that God calls us back into the world and says, right here, right now, in this moment, I need your mitzvah. I need this active connection. I need eye contact. And a lot of that is expressed for a woman in the daily acts that we do for our children and in connecting with them and creating this warm joyful, loving, God-filled environment. What would be your words of guidance or advice for being able to like really be in that present moment and to recognize the profound connection that we experience when we're just with God in acts that are not always engaging our mind and our heart?
0: Part of the story that I actually forgot to say was that when I Did have my child, I felt like I lost myself. I felt Mm -hmm. like I was consumed. I loved him so much. And at the same time, at a certain point, I just felt like I really was consumed by all the physical acts of taking care of him. And I felt like really sad, honestly, because I felt like I wasn't creative anymore. I wasn't spiritual anymore. I was just like getting through the day. And I think, in a way, looking back, Losing that connection to like the very intense Ratzai part of me, the very intense yearning and thirst for God, which essentially limited God to only the spiritual, there was a break there. There was a break. And then later I was able to absorb this new idea that actually Hashem really is everywhere. And I think part of absorbing this is you have to realize that there's a shift And you might need to mourn the old idea. You might need to like, you know, like it's, it's, there's something romantic about like Hashem is spiritual and he's over there and I can like yearn after him and you kind of have to break that perception. And there's something very sad about that. Maybe, you know, Mm. don't feel that way. So I think like a first step, if I was talking to myself (laughs) would be, you have to let go of an old way of looking at things. And that might be hard. That's okay. If it takes you some time to like recover from that, that would be the first thing I would say. The second thing is that that leaves you with kind of an empty space. Cause you're like, okay, if God's not that, what is he? And then you have to fill that empty space with the reality that Hashem really is everywhere. And I can think of two ways in particular to do that. One is start noticing the Hashkacha Pratis in your life. Hashgaha Pratis translates literally to like divine providence or Hashem's watching you, Hashem's always guiding your life. So I know somebody who keeps the Hashka Pratis journal. I actually don't do that, but actually when I talk to my child, it helps a lot because I translate things into like Hashem at the center. So like, wow, thank you, Hashem. It's such a beautiful day today. Or Hashem gave us money to buy you new shoes. Like you got new shoes because Hashem gave us money and Hashem gives mommy a job. Everything like starts from Hashem. And I think that that way of talking to children, if we would talk to ourselves that way and be like, wow, my laptop was broken the other day and then it turned on like, wow, thank you, Hashem thank you God, Like my laptop is working. And it's not even just like the good things that happen, but it's really just the very mundane things like walking my child to play group, I'm taking the train to work and Hashem is here on the train. And just starting to like really think about that and integrate that into your life. And for me, that it can also help to journal if you like to write. If you don't like to write, you can send yourself voice notes where, like, you just acknowledge Hashem's presence in your day. Nice. And that can really kind of bring the hashgacha pratis, bring that awareness of Hashem's presence in your immediate life, to, like, home a lot more. And then, like, the other thing I would say is just is learning Hasidus, because Hasidus is really the part of Torah that centralizes God again and, like, makes you look at the world in a way that you start to see. Hashem as the default reality and the world as the like surprising like how did this get here like really Hashem is at the source our natural way of looking at things is like okay we live here we go to work we do what we do and like oh yeah there's God even if you're yearning after him even if you're like feeling this rut that's what's so hard about it that's what pulls you in two different directions is because like You're actually living in a physical world and you like want this like romantic something outside of you. Learning Hesedus helps you realize that Hashem is actually like he came before you, he comes after you. Like you are this tiny little temporal dot in the story of reality. And also you're at the center of it because Hashem put you there. But it's Hashem who is the one making the rules. Like nature doesn't have a say. Hashem creates nature to have a say. So learning Hasidus kind of makes that become more part of the way you look at the world.
1: I wonder if there is something intoxicating about the vast God that you can't fully grasp, that you experience in learning and contemplating God's greatness that is almost underwhelming when God's like, no, you can have me. Like I'm right here. But then when you experience (laughs) essence, it's like, you don't actually get to like experience it in a physical way. Like you don't actually get to like comprehend it because he's so much greater than your experience, but you, you actually like have him there. It's like the chase of a relationship, like in the beginning stages of relationship to, do they like you? Are you connecting? Like you don't fully know them. And then when you actually like know someone really well and they're like, yes, this is what you can do for me to like really hold me and be there for me. And it's like, that's underwhelming. That's it.
0: You can know these ideas and Instead of like making you feel joy and like, wow, Hashem is right here. It's like resignation almost, Mm. like resentment. Like I want something bigger. I don't want want this. Like, yeah, yeah, I want the mountain. Like I want the moon. What is this? This is what I have already. Don't bring me back here. I want something new. I want something special. Like I want a connection. So you could either experience this as like a depressing reality, like, oh, okay, that's it. We're just here to do stuff. Or it can be one that comes with joy. And I think there is a shift there. Like, I don't know. I was actually thinking about this. Like, how do you get from the resentment to the joy? Because I feel like for me, it was kind of a gift. You know, there was that period of like feeling like I'd lost myself in the physical acts. And then there was like that learning, that new absorption of like, I can do all these small things and actually connect through them. And I actually don't know like how you would like intentionally bring yourself to the new place. Sorry. Am I supposed to sound like I know what what I'm doing?
1: (laughs) No. We're discussing this. I think it's possible that as you're making that transition, you need to hold on to the mind and heart because the same way. A marriage relationship. Like if you don't hold on to the mind and heart of the relationship and you only focus on the acts of practical ways of showing up for the person, you do lose the connection in those small acts. You do right. lose the love. So sure. you need to have those acts of connection, like those simple day-to-day acts of connection, that's what a relationship is made up of, is recognizing the importance of those simple acts of connection, those simple acts of turning towards each other and being there for each other. But it has to have the foundation of the heart and mind. For the most part, like if you want those daily acts of connection to really be connected and to really be part of the bigger whole, there has to be a bigger whole and a soul that is really motivating those actions. So you can't get lost in the physical world.
0: Yes. Head in the clouds, feet on the ground. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was a good way. That's a good point. That's a good point. And I think that that comes with like learning Chassidus, really. Yeah. Like for me, at least. I think like for everybody really, could be that for some people more than others, but I do think that everybody really needs to like engage in the heart and mind of it. And like that you do need to engage in it in that way to really bring that in. Which brings us back to the Miraglim, actually, to the spies, right? Their problem was that they were not able to bring all the spirituality that they had in the desert right. into the land of Israel. And that's exactly what we're still working toward. We don't want to be just farmers who plow land. Yeah. And we also, Hashem doesn't want us to be just people who live off of clouds that wash our clothes and mud that falls from heaven. Hashem wants us to take all that and integrate it into every single physical act that we do. And that is the redemption. And that's what going into the land of Israel really means.
1: Beautiful. It's not that a woman's spirituality doesn't exist in the mind and heart. It does exist there. But it's being able to imbue the physical world with that spirituality and your physical acts Mm -hmm. with that internal connection and we need that internal connection in order to do those acts with that love and focus. If we don't have that focus, they are just empty physical acts. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Actually it reminds me of something else that the Rebbe often talked about, which was when people would complain that like they were too overwhelmed by the housework. The Rebbe said like, get cleaning help. Pay for it. It's worth it. The Rebbe told people, even if you don't have money, he even gave money to some people. To get cleaning help because it's actually not your job to be a maid. The job of the woman is to imbue her home with a sense of love, safety, connection to each other, and connection to Hashem. And yes, there are a lot of physical acts through which you bring that into the world, but there are also a lot of physical acts that you don't actually need to do to do that and that you can outsource for. So I think like, it's really true what you're saying about, it's not just like, oh, a woman also needs to have the spiritual side. That's actually exactly what she's doing. And she's doing it through the tools of the physical world.
1: And if she doesn't have that spiritual motivation, she's not going to be able to do the physical act either. Right. Like, you cannot care for someone without that inherent connection, without feeling like a slave. Like if you don't have the inherent connection, you feel like a slave. You feel like the supporting role in their life and just basically being their housekeeper or maid. This could be with your child, with your partner and with God. Like, do you feel like the maid for God in this physical world? Mm. Or do you feel like this is a beautiful, loving relationship where we care for each other? In a weird way, Sharni, you kind of made the case for prioritizing your spirituality and your mind and heart. (laughs) In order, right? In order to like show up for God in the physical way. You're right. <laughs> busted. You <gotta> have, busted. <laughs> yeah. You need the Rat and you need the shuv. You need both.
0: That's right. Both. That's right. That's right. You do. I was actually talking about this with my husband the other day, just about the Rat of a shuv idea. And he was saying that there's the world of Taihu and the world of Tikkun. There's chaos and the world where everything is whole and integrated, spiritual realities. And... In the chaotic world, there's only resi, and in the world of Tikkun, and in the world of, if you want to say redemption or wholeness or integration, there is resi and shuv because you do need both. It's actually not meant to be just shuv. Shuv can't exist without the resi as well. You do you need the like? You do need the spirit and you, and the it's yearning true. too. Yeah,
1: because it's like it's the yearning, and then oh, I can express that yearning in something real. Like yeah. in something tangible. Beautiful. This is, I think, life-changing. It was for me. Well, it was for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> when all I want to do is shed my skin's lining, I crawl back in. When all I want to do is escape through the window, I paint the ceiling, the walls, the floor. We belong here. Let your urge to flee be the fuel to make this place beautiful. Let your thirst for Torah summon water from the rock. God's wisdom is a blissful garden. Visit there. Gather seeds and then return to this small patch of earth and plant them. He did not put you here to smell the roses elsewhere. You can make a desert bloom. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Human and Holy or via email at human and holy at gmail.com new episodes of the podcast come out every single Sunday morning. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode and could take a quick second to leave a rating or review, it means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.